they were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flicking. I am Hannah. I am joined by, as ever, our film expert, Yosra Osman. Hello, Yosra. Hello. Hi. And my colleague of choice. It's not of choice. It's my colleague of Rosa. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, I mean, I would have chose you, Jen, because you're the person who picked the film, so it made most sense. My colleague of Rota, Jen Offord, has picked the film. So you tell us a bit more about what we watched this time. This month, we watched 2019's County Lines, which I first saw at the London Film Festival in 2019, and I was blown away by it. So it was written and directed by Henry Blake, starring Conrad Khan as Tyler, a 14-year-old from a poor family currently attending a pupil referral unit, which for the uninitiated is a type of school for pupils who aren't able to attend a mainstream school, but predominantly are attended by quote-unquote naughty kids. Tyler's having a pretty shit time, I think it's fair to say. He's being bullied at school. He's looking after his young sister while his mum, played by Ashley Madekwi, goes out to work as a cleaner at night. But when she's home, there are clearly problems in their relationship and she feels unable to connect emotionally with him. Enter Simon, played by Harris Dickinson, who, unbeknownst to Tyler, is part of an organised crime group or what you might have heard more commonly referred to as a gang, but more about that in a bit, who befriends the lonely young man and offers him company, trainers and some cold hard cash running quote-unquote errands slash trafficking drugs out of London hence the name County Lines and as you would imagine nothing much good ensues so guys I'm going to start with you Yosra did you like it I did I will say I did like it it was very hard hitting yes it's you know I wouldn't (laughs) call it a fun film by any means and you can tell just from your description and and the subject matter that it, it at times is quite a harrowing watch and I knew because of the name of the film and I'd done a little bit of reading before I knew as it started that bad things were going to happen having said that I think it's a really important film I think it was really affecting and it, it, it the performances were just outstanding I could call out you know Conrad Khan Harris Dickinson who plays um the the, the character that sort of lures he grooms him basically he sort of he he does yeah basically he grooms tyler and and shout out to ashley medecro as well as his mother tony i think it's one of those films that you think about after you watch it for quite some time it really struck me as as in terms of the the subject matter and the fact that at the end they say there are around ten thousand kids who are in a similar situation to tyler and it's it's like an alarm bell in your head and I know that there's a lot of action with different police services who are trying to stop the flow of county lines happening. But it, that film, it felt really real and it felt really authentic. And, you know, Henry Blake, I think he used to work as a as a youth worker. Yeah, it's based so on you, his experience, yeah. So, you know, everything that's happening in the film is based on real experiences, which actually makes it a bit of a, a harder watch. But I just thought there was so much in there to, you know, the, the camera work, even things like the colour palette that he's choosing, the score, everything adds to the, <laughs> this doesn't sound good, but the sort of bleakness of the mm. film, but also the effect that it, that it had. And I'm, I'm really glad I, I got to watch it. 
Oh, good. Hannah? Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought we talked about who was good in it. Everyone was good in it. Like you say, Harris Dickinson? Dickinson. Yeah, Harris Dickinson. Yeah, he really rem- he reminded me of a young Rafe Spall, and that is a massive compliment from me because I love Rafe Spall. She does, it's um, true. I thought he had a real, that he could switch between what appeared to be genuine open niceness, but we knew it wasn't, to real malevolence incredibly quickly. Um, and uh, I thought he did an absolutely great job. I was surprised it was set in London. I mean, I knew what it was about beforehand because we talked about it. I automatically assumed it was going to be set in the Midlands. Um, because that? that? Well, that's where a lot of that stuff happens, particularly up in places like Cumbria and stuff like that, places where perhaps the police force are a bit more thinly stretched over a wider area than they are in London over a sort of a densely packed area. Because, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't just happen in London. It happens everywhere. And I don't know why, but I automatically assumed my brain was like, is this the Midlands? Is this going to be the Midlands? And then when you realised he'd gone to Leon C, I thought, oh, it's London. No, he does actually live in London. So I was surprised it was set in London. I thought it was good. I have to say, I thought it could have been excellent for me. Uh, it answered a question of what happens. But I don't know it really delved into the question of why it happens and for me for something to be truly excellent it has to say why it happens as well I think perhaps by just doing almost like a snapshot of some guy's story and having no backstory and no sort of more story to the family life outside of this it didn't really necessarily I mean you can see obviously one of the reasons it happened was because he needed a male role model and then a guy came into his life that he thought could be a male role model or not necessarily a role model but just a guy who was being nice to him that he could hang around with and I think by by not having quite so much background it it makes his mum's behavior slightly harder to understand so it feels slightly as if she's being blamed when in fact I think that perhaps she's just at the end of her tether and really busy and living day to day I think you're right to a certain extent I think that there wasn't a huge amount. I, I think his mum, I think Tony comes across as a little bit unsympathetic. And actually, I think the reality of that situation is that she's struggling. Do you know what I mean? She's got no money. That's she's exactly bringing up I mean. two kids. And I think you, you get a bit of that, but you maybe don't get as much of that as you need. I thought the scene where she goes off and she, where she comes back with the guy who she has sex with loudly while the kids are listening, I thought that was a little bit unnecessary, to be honest, because it did kind of blur the lines between, like, you know, is she struggling or is she just a bit of an asshole to her kids? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it kind of demonised her a little yeah. bit. It just seemed out of place as well. Like, yeah. why did why did you need to show that to to give background to her character? Yeah, I so I, I kind of get what you're saying, Hannah. I I think it actually put his vulnerability across really well. I thought he was lonely as well. You know, like he didn't really have anyone in his life because his relationship with his mum was obviously crap and I thought the bit with the teacher where the teacher's sort of saying the teacher in the pupil referral unit before it all goes to shit basically is kind of saying to her you need to talk to him you need to talk to him and she obviously just doesn't really know how I think there's the comparison obviously between the people who are involved with him at the school who clock what's going on pretty quickly they know to be suspicious, but that's because they have a lot more experience yeah. than his mum does, if you know what I mean. She knows him better, obviously, but she doesn't know the situation as well as they do. So it makes her feel like 
it makes it, it feel a bit like, you know, that they know her kid better than she does. And I don't think that's the case. It's that they know the situation better than she does. But I think it's just they, they've picked up on the signs. And the, the, what I was getting was, yes, the mother is, she's working really hard. She's working nights and she's having to juggle that around managing two kids. And what came across to me, as well as its vulnerability, was his sense of personal responsibility yes. for his family. The fact that he feels you know and there's a bit where they're talking about being the man of the house mm. and he he feels that he's got to take on that responsibility it's really clear how much he loves his younger sister and his mum to some extent so it, it, it's it's what came through was that's why he got into it he's thinking gosh if I can get this this money from doing these errands then I'm going to be able to look after my family and that personally to me said quite a lot about his backstory and how yes he's quite disconnected from people but he also has a sense of responsibility and care for those for those that he's close to I, I thought that side at least was, was done quite well I don't think there's a bad performance in this I think even the little girl is really good actually yeah. and, and I think yeah. child actors are not always great to be fair but it I think... depends who they're directed by yeah. that's exactly I don't think there are bad child actors no that's in fact, I don't yeah, think there are really fair. good child actors I mean yeah. there are some good child actors Tom Holland was really good as a kid wasn't he but I think that what you get is directors that work really well with children and the directors that work best for children like people like Shane Meadows is because they don't give them a script they just say say what you want to do and then mm. do you know what I mean say what you think you would say in this circumstance and it always works and I get the feeling that's probably how the that little girl was directed in this I suppose and he's used to working with kids as well so maybe yeah. he's you know maybe he's yeah. better at it but I think there's a couple of performances let's talk you've already sort of talked about Harris Dickinson Ashley Medecqui I think is just amazing in this the sadness and the tiredness in her eyes is just incredible what did you think yeah she was brilliant you know she didn't have to say much for you to get an understanding of what she feels and as the film goes on and she starts to pick up on what's happening and you sort of get a sense of maybe desperation but just not knowing quite what to do particularly in in one scene the confrontation scene in the kitchen and and how that affects her it's just it, again it's one of those things that I just thought was really authentic her performance and I felt for her every step of the way I never I never got a sense you know that we had to blame Tony for what was happening and I think that came through a lot from from just I mean it's the same with all of them the camera would just look at their faces and they don't have to say much it was all expressed through their expressions and their eyes and I thought that they were just really strong performances yeah, there's not a lot of dialogue in this actually is no. there so I, they are dependent on well they're, they're dependent on acting guys so. <laughs> what there, well, there is a lot of Jen though and that's why I was surprised that you like it is violence do you know what I didn't even really think about that to be honest I don't I don't feel like there's loads of violence in it there's one particularly there's actually two particularly sort of harrowing scenes there's obviously the one where he encounters a rival gang mm. um and there's the one with the the awful awful guy the drug dealer in the flats with, yeah with the but there's woman. also when he headbutts his mother yeah i didn't even really register that to be honest and so did you notice that was very similar to what simon harris dickinson's character did in the first scene where he spotted that something untoward was happening because yeah. he headbutted that kid. Yeah. And then Tyler does the exact same thing to his mum, mm. which just shows how he's picking up those movements and acts of violence. And I thought it went through the film because I knew what it was about. I was just like, it's going to, something's going to go really, really wrong here. And you know, you get that feeling where you're just on edge waiting for that, that 
horrible mm. horrible thing to happen so considering that perhaps there wasn't as much violence as i expected but when it hit literally yes. it it really hits you i think as well her reaction to being headbutted by him was quite interesting because it suggests that's not the first time she's been headbutted either or certainly mm. not the same first time she's been beaten up either in her life mm. so yeah, I thought that, I mean, we talk about this all the time, I have no problem with violence in film, provided it actually looks like actual violence rather than looks like 18 violence. And yeah, the sort of unsaid things there, that he's copying what he's seen someone do and that she's falling into an old pattern of accepting it, I think is done pretty much without it needing to be explained, which is good. But like I say, in the way that it doesn't, by the snapshot, what I found interesting as well was that the end... The really big question for me at the end didn't really have an answer. I'm not going to say it got shown as a happy ending, but it certainly got shown as a, yeah. a less perilous ending. It ended better than perhaps I thought it might in parts. For example, everyone's still alive at the end of it. And she's going off in a taxi, I think, who knows where, hopefully to work. But the question that isn't really, I think, quite stressed enough in this is that they're probably going to live with that forever because she's never going to be able to pay that money back. She's always going to owe that money. And although she, it's better to owe that money to whatever mm. junky payday loan company she got it off than it is off a guy who's going to break into her flat and hurt her kid, she's still never going to pay it back. It's still going to be a debt that's, that she's probably going to be burdened with forever. Yeah, that did occur to me, actually. Well, you see her saying, somebody does say to her, what's your repayment sort of strategy yes, yeah. and she's she she just goes like that yeah. or something or laughs it's a very it's something that doesn't come with an answer i actually did an interview earlier this week with someone from the children's society about quote-unquote gangs and they don't call them gangs they call them organized crime groups because of the same reason hannah when you spoke to the person at the internet watch foundation all that time basically it kind of criminalizes people who are groomed and exploited and mm. and you can listen to that interview in a couple of weeks time if you uh if you Good. but i thought that's something that this film did really well as i said before it didn't show these kids as kind of like you know marauding youths causing mayhem it really showed the vulnerability of a child and, and how they can end up being in that situation and I thought Conrad Khan's performances, you know, he, he's been nominated for a shed load of awards and most recently the BAFTA Rising Star Award. I think that was announced this week, actually. What did you guys think of his performance? Yeah, I, again, I would say he, he said so much without saying so much. And there's, there's that kind of the bits where the camera really lingers on him and you can see all that coiled up frustration desperation that that's just coming through but also as you go through the film he, he's turned from this character that is being bullied at school feels out of place is really really lonely to quite a stark unfeeling character when he you know the six months later bit where you mm. see he's really got into the business of doing these errands and how much he's changed and and he I think as an actor he managed that really really well and was even in those hard scenes where he's being quite brutal himself with people you're so sympathetic for him and what's happened to him and how he's been groomed into this into this lifestyle yeah. And I would say when he first turns up at that crack elf oh. and he has to, you know, 
just everything repulses him, like the bathroom repulses him. Yeah. Wh- whoever they get, pl- that woman is that's playing, I mean, that she looks like she's one of the living fucking dead. She really does, that heroin addict that he encounters. And his face that is, try not to give all of your feelings away, but and try and repress it and try and look normal. But in the background, try and have this air of panic with a mask of confidence over it. I think he does that tremendously well. One thing I want to say, sorry, we were talking about, um, Hannah, you were mentioning the ending yeah. and how there's not much that we know. There's something about that that I felt worked in terms of there were flickers of optimism in that, you know, he's going back to school. He's, he's got those sessions with the support that, that's been arranged for him. But you know how I thought it could have been tidied up quite nicely, but it wasn't. And it reminds you that this is still very much happening. You know, the bit where Tony goes and she pays um, Harris Dickinson's character. And then Mm. just just as he's driving away, you see he's got another kid in the car with him that he's clearly grooming to be to to be replace Tyler and it all goes back to that point you know acceptable loss you are an acceptable loss this is going to keep continuing no Mm. matter what happens to one individual they will just replace you with somebody else and that to me was was really telling and to me reminded me of why that film was so important that this is going to I mean I I have to say I don't think that it was if anything it was it was tidied up too much at the end for me Mm. because it felt like there was a little bit too much hope but maybe that's just yeah, Maybe yeah, sure, sure. Me, I, I think that you're absolutely right. And then, of course, the answer is, how did he get into doing what he did in the first place? I mean, who yeah. groomed him? It's a cycle, yeah. isn't it? And on and on and on. Um, well, I'm pretty sure there are people that would take his door down and threaten him. It's just horrible, isn't it? It just really is horrible. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about as well, because, Hannah, we talked about this a little bit in Outside the Box when we were talking about It's a Sin the other week. Because this film is, you know, I, I think it's great, but it is a hard watch. It is kind of relentlessly bleak, which, I, you know, it needs to be because of the subject matter. But, you know, I, what I said when we were talking about It's a Sin is that I think sometimes people confuse something that is really, really sad with being really, really good. Yeah, agreed. What mm. do you think there's a danger of that with this film? Oh, I mean, yes, I, I think I think so. I, if I was going to ask who this film's audience was, I would it's say me. absolutely 100% <laughs> Guardian readers. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty so, much. yes, there is an element of that. There is an element of here is something terrible that happens. And therefore, it is just a little snapshot. And then you can go back to your lives afterwards um, and feel like you know something about the world. So, yes, there is an element of, yeah, that that grittiness, especially when you're talking about something that like goes quite as violent as it does towards him. And the worst thing about the violence that happens to him is that the, the, the person who does it to him is a really tiny, even younger child than he is. Yeah. <laughs> And you, can, like... you can see that he doesn't even know what he's doing, really. He's doing as he's told, but you can see on his face, he's he's really quite nervous and anxious about doing it. And, oh, yeah. It reminded me of, who is it that gets Omar in the end? A tiny, it's a tiny, tiny baby, kid. isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 And it's sort of that element of... Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I mean, you don't know which tiny kid, because there are loads of them. But, yeah, that's, that's how... So there is an element of that. So, yes, I agree with you. I think that some people mistake grit for, for quality. 
Whereas you can get something that's gritty as hell of actually being not very good. But I think this is good. I do think it's good. I wouldn't go far to say excellent. If I was going to give it a thing, I would say four stars rather than five. But yeah, I think you're right. I gave it a four stars, I think. One thing, it's interesting when you talk about the word gang and not using the term gang. One thing that I was really nervous about when watching this film was exactly how, how how the youth are going to be portrayed, how how criminalised activity was going to be portrayed, you know, but particularly I was scared of stereotypes of yeah. what gang activity actually is. That's something I was really concerned about in the first few minutes of the film where, you, you know, they're going into this school and you've got school fights happening and I was like, oh gosh, please don't be that stereotypical view mm. of what, gang culture is particularly amongst young people particularly amongst for example young black people i was really really worried about how that was going to be portrayed but i actually think Blake was really really careful in that and that is to the film's credit and as such he's not even in a gang is he he's in a gang no. well. it's just him and his handler as such and the person he drops it off well to. i think this is the point the children's society were making uh, becky feed who i spoke to from the from the children's society is that you know the gang as it were, is there's a lot of other people. You don't even see the ones at the head. You don't see the people that are involved and probably telling telling what he's meant to be doing. And that's actually quite a scary thing. You don't know who's at the head of this chain that's getting all these kids running around doing these errands. Yeah. And as Hannah said, you know, Simon has probably got someone banging on his door. You know, there's a huge chain of command in all this and there's someone at the top who's making a fuckload of money out of these children basically and he's not going to get caught who's yeah. going to get caught it's the kids running the errands and they're going to face the the prison sentences or, or whatever it is i mean that, that's something that could have maybe been explored more in the film but to me when i was watching it that's what i was thinking about as well i thought it's interesting that you just said then yours were about about the stereotypes you know this isn't the first portrayal of you know quote unquote gang culture that i've seen in film and tv i guess the obvious thing that i that springs to mind when i think about that is top boy for example and i wondered to what extent did you two feel that you'd seen this film or variations of this film before because i think it's quite different to anything that i've seen before well i I think when you've seen like because i mentioned omar i think when you've seen the wire you always inevitably compare things back and say oh, i can't that's believe like i that. didn't think of the wire i can't believe i went straight <laughs> to top boy sorry um, that's like that and the sort of element of you know that the dynamics of how it works um and the sort of personalities of the people that are trying to change it which aren't seen much in this you know you have this idea that if you were going to go and save poor children from a life like this that they would be a certain way and they're not they're very practical they're very like hard-nosed they're very this is you know sympathy in the right way but this is how we're going to get this fixed so i think that that was unwell i I think i personally think it's interesting to have something that shows and that's what i was saying about uh, that's why i initially assumed it was set in the midlands something that shows that actually what forces children or what puts children at danger of this isn't their race it's poverty yes and it's a lack of decent male role models i think are the two things that put children most at risk of this and therefore I personally I think it's good that it happens across all races all parts of the country everywhere it's not this isn't nothing to do with race it's to do with a set of really unfortunate circumstances and people who are savvy enough 
to find a way to take advantage of those and manipulate kids. I mean, anyone is, not to spoil too much of my forthcoming interview, but anyone is vulnerable. You know, like lonely kids are vulnerable. People with problems at home of any class are vulnerable. But yes, I would agree with you that predominantly, you know, poverty is going to be the main cause here. That's what I wanted to get to when I was thinking about Sorry, yes, right? quote, I unquote, just said what gang you said culture. No, it. no, no, but you didn't. That's the point. You, you, you've expanded on it in a way that I probably should have. It, when I was thinking about the stereotypes and quote unquote gang culture, what this film did was made it real in a way where actually race didn't matter. It mm. was, and uh, what, when you're asking what's different about this film to, to other things like The Wire or Top Boy, I think it's because it's really focused on Tyler and Tyler's journey, which is kind of unaffected by those other individuals that we might see. Even Simon, to some extent, it's it's his sense of personal responsibility, it's his vulnerability, it's his loneliness, it's, and it, the centering on that, I think, made it slightly different. I don't think it made it better. I just think it, it's touching on a, on a point that perhaps we've not seen before. Okay, so if you would like to watch this film, it is available to stream on the BFI player and will be released on DVD and Blu-ray by the BFI on April the 19th. And I do recommend that you have a watch of it. Yeah, I would concur with that, Jeff. Thanks. Me too. Hannah, who's next? Is it your choice next? It's me! It's me! I get to pick. Okay. A particularly pick. gleeful look on your face, yeah. Hannah. <laughs> well, the last two things I've picked have been from the 1970s, and they've also been things that nobody's watched. So this time I thought I might pick something more recent and things that people probably have watched. It'd be me, Yosra, and Mickey next week. I thought I'd pick a film that kind of represents a weird British genre of film that I absolutely love, and I think it's the best example of it. Something that sets comedy against industrial strife. So I thought I would pick Pride. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that's all from us for this month. And you can join us next month for Hannah's pick of Pride. Thanks very much for joining us, Yosra and Hannah. Thanks for having me, Thank you. Standard Issue for All Women.